high above you. And, and the sound is, is way above you. Is it a trumpet? A choir? A choir of trumpets? You, you don't know, but you want to know. So you pull over, get out of the car, and look up. And when you do, you realize you're not the only curious one. The roadway looks like a parking lot. People with their car doors open looking to the sky. Shoppers are rushing out of the grocery store. The Little League baseball game across the street has come to a halt. Parents and players are searching the clouds. And what they see, what you see, has never before been seen. As if the sky were a big curtain, the drapes of the atmosphere part. A brilliant light shines onto the earth. There are no shadows, none. From whence the light came begins to tumble a river of color. Every hue you've ever seen and a million more you've never seen. And riding on the flow is a fleet of angels. They pass through the curtain one myriad at a time until they occupy every square inch of the sky. North, south, east, west. Silvery wings rise and fall. And over the sound of trumpets, you can hear the seraphim and the cherubim chanting, Holy, holy, holy. Following the final flank of angels are 24 silver-bearded elders and a multitude of souls who join the angels in praise. Presently, the movement stops and the trumpets get quiet and you're left with only the triumphant triplet, holy, holy, holy. Between each word is a pause and with each word a profound reverence you hear your voice joining in the chorus. You don't know why you say the words, but you know that you must. And suddenly, the heavens are silent. All is silent. The angels turn. You turn. All of the earth turns. And there he is, Jesus. Through the wave of light, you see the silhouetted figure of Christ the King, He's riding atop a great stallion, and the stallion is atop a, a billowing cloud. He opens his mouth, and you are surrounded by his declaration, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The angels bow. The elders remove their crowns, and in front of you is a being so consuming that you know, instantly you know, nothing else matters. Forget stock markets and sales reports, school meetings, football games. Nothing is newsworthy. All that mattered matters no more, for Christ has come. Let me ask you, how did that make you feel? You know, I think if we just be honest with each other, there's something about the final coming of Christ that just freaks us out a little bit. Am I the only one? I mean, if, if we were to answer the question, how do we feel, for some of us, we'd say, well, a little bit of discomfort. I mean, am I ready for a day like that? Or maybe denial. I mean, let's be honest. 
we kind of get lulled into this feeling that everything's just going to go on and on and on and on as it always has, and it will go on forever. Ever. And this idea that it could quickly and suddenly come to a complete stop, well, that, that's odd. My mamaw, my mom's mom, man, she believed in the, the coming of Christ. And she used to talk about it. She, she was all in with her whole being. And I remember Mamaw used to tell us, he's coming. In fact, he's coming before I die. And she believed it with all her heart. I did too. Mamaw died in 1984. But she was expecting it. Longing for it. How does it make you feel? But the real question here is not, what does it make me feel? This is what I think the real question is. What does Jesus want you to feel about his final coming? Because he's the one who told us it was coming. In fact, these are his words. He said, so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. In other words, Jesus is saying, be ready. He wants you to feel ready. Today we're beginning the next chapter of this series we've been in all year, Preach Jesus. And this series is now focusing on Jesus and His unfinished work, His Advent. Now, when we hear the word Advent, a lot of times we think about Christmas, but it's really not about Christmas. Advent, Advent means arrival. And it's not so much about Jesus' first arrival at Bethlehem, nor is it about Jesus' arrival in your heart when you believe and he takes up residence in you. Like Ephesians says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. He arrives, but that's not what Advent is about. Advent is all about the final arrival, the final arrival of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. I declare to you that Mamaw was right. Not about the timing, but about the certitude of his coming. And when Jesus comes again, he will take care of all unfinished business. And that really is good news because in that moment you need to understand joy is going to overflow, peace is going to be made sure, and our hope is going to be realized. Now when we talk about hope, Christmas is kind of all tied up in hope, is it not? Every kid or every kid at heart comes to Christmas almost with this, this anxious yearning of, oh, I hope I get, and you fill in the blank. And as the kids grow up, every parent is thinking, oh, I hope the kids get here safely. But the problem with Christmas hope is that there is this element of not yet or not quite or might not be in our hoping. I might not get the gift or the kids might not get home. 
Christmas is wrapped up in the might not reality. But Advent hope, biblical hope, is different than that. Advent hope is not a wish. There is no uncertainty. Advent hope is the confident expectation that God is doing exactly what he said. So if you would, open your Bibles with me today to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 8 in just a moment. By the way, if we've not yet met, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to know your name as well. One of the best ways that you can do that is to fill out that digital connect card on your listening guide that you were handed when you came in the room. At the bottom of that, on the front page, there's a QR code. Scan that. takes you to our worship program. At the top, there's a link, and we just ask everybody to fill that out every week so that we can stay connected with you. And if we've not met, I'm going to be out in the commons in the Next Step area after the service, and I would love it if you'd come up and introduce yourself to me. Now, we're going to be reading out of this letter from Peter, and let me suggest to you that Peter is the exact right guy to talk to us about the unfinished work of Jesus. Because you might remember that Jesus came to him one-on-one with some unfinished business. I mean, you might remember that the night before Jesus went to the cross, Peter, in a threefold denial, said that he didn't even know Jesus. He said, I, I don't know this guy. Do you remember that at that moment, the Bible tells us that Jesus turned and locked eyes with him? And then do you remember how Peter went out and he wept bitterly because he he knew that he had disappointed the Lord? And do you remember how Peter even comes to that place where he quit this whole disciple thing? He said, I'm going fishing. Let me tell you, he wasn't looking for a distraction. This was his defection. I'm out, he was saying. But then that morning, Jesus showed up. He arrived. You might remember that Jesus built this charcoal fire, just like that charcoal fire that Peter had warmed himself by when he denied knowing him. And it was as if Jesus was saying, Hey, Pete, you're going to have to face the fire. And he sat down, just him and Peter. But this wasn't a destroying fire. Oh, no. It was a refining fire. It was a restoring fire. It was a redeeming fire. And I think maybe, just maybe, it was that moment that helps us understand why when Peter talks about Jesus' final arrival, he does so in the language of fire. So listen to what Peter writes. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, 
what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Again, when you read that, what does it make you feel? I, I mean, there is almost that sense of just... It's a bit too much. But I think the context can help us understand this. Now, you need to know that when Peter writes this, he's really at the end of his life, maybe days, maybe certainly probably not more than weeks. This is the very last letter that he's going to write to those people that he loved, to the church. Just within a short time, he's going to be martyred in the city of Rome. And not only that, you need to know that by this point, almost all of the apostles have now been martyred. He's one of the last ones that still lives. And he writes to a church that was actually kind of growing in apathy. They were just kind of taking every day as if everything is just going to go on and on and on. In fact, you kind of get the feel of the context when you come back to the beginning of this chapter and this is what he says chapter 3 verse 1 he says now this is my second letter to you dear friends and in both of them I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory I want you to remember what the prophets the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires, and they will say, what happened to the promise of Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. In other words, he says, listen, I know people all around you, they're wondering, they're questioning, they're doubting. Is Jesus really coming? Do, do you really believe that? In other words, he wrote to a world that's exactly like our world. Do you really believe that? Listen, I, I get it. I mean, it's really easy for us not to think about Jesus coming. In my own life, I can remember there were two times, two seasons, when I was really thinking a lot about Jesus coming, but, but that, was, that was kind of the exception. And the first time was when I was a senior in high school, and I had been invited, asked to preach what would be my very first sermon for youth night on Sunday night at church. And let me tell you, I was absolutely scared to death. I, I was just, just completely weirded out over the whole experience. Well, on that Sunday morning, before I was to preach that night, our pastor preached on the second coming of Christ. And he did so with such passion. Now, let me tell you, all day long I was praying, Yes, Lord Jesus, come, come this afternoon, if you would. 
I get out of that assignment, you know? And it was real to me. I was, I was hoping. The second time that it became really poignant to me was just before Diana and I got married. There was this guy in, in college, and he just really wanted to kind of get into my head and mess with me. And so a couple of weeks before the wedding, this guy came to me and he said this. He said, Kevin, what if Jesus comes back right before you get to marry Diana? And you know what I was thinking? I was just completely freaked out. I was like, no, Jesus, not now. You waited this long, Jesus. You can wait a little while longer. You know, that's kind of how we are. There are times when the pressures of life can be so overwhelming that you do cry out, Lord Jesus, come. But then there are times when you're going to think, not now, not now. I'm not ready. But Jesus wants you ready so how do you find hope in his arrival well the first thing is this you got to believe his word back to verse 8 and 9 listen to what he says but you must not forget this one thing dear friends a day is like a thousand years to the lord and a thousand years is like a day the lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think but it feels slow doesn't it I mean, it really feels slow. And Peter is saying here, just because it feels like there's been a long delay, from our perspective, in Jesus' return, he's saying, but you need to understand that God is dependable. God isn't kidding. Jesus clearly said, I'll be right back. And so you got to trust his word. In fact, think of it this way. I don't think we're supposed to read this verse of Scripture and then literally apply it, for example, when it says that a thousand years is like one day. But for a moment, let's just take it literally and apply it that way, all right? So if you have a thousand years, and that's just one day, and that's the year 1,000. And then you have another 1,000 years, and that's two days. that have been the year 2,000. And then you come to the year 2022. What day would that make this? The third day. In fact, I would even say this. It's early morning on the third day now I don't know about your reading of the Bible but when you read through the Bible you're going to find lots of times that God does some pretty spectacular things early in the morning on the third day so if you're living in the third day all of a sudden the perspective shifts well maybe it hasn't been all that long but again I really don't think he's telling us that we are to read that as a formula to figure out when he's coming it's Peter's way of saying, you just got to know that God's not on your time schedule. He, he's not bothering to look with your calendar and how it fits. Whether he comes today or whether it's another 2,000 years from now, he's saying, you just got to bank on it. He said he's going to do it. You can trust his word. And that is the key to hope. Let me ask you today, have you trusted Jesus' word? 
Are you trusting in him? Listen, when you fully have trusted his words now, you don't have anything to fear about the words that he's going to speak on that great and glorious day when he splits the sky wide open. Jesus himself said so. Listen to what he said, John 5, 24. Very truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Trust his word. So let me ask you today, have you believed his word? Have you really surrendered your life over to Jesus Christ? Have you whispered that prayer? You could do it even right now. In the silence of your mind, you can talk to the Heavenly Father and you can say to Him, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I commit my life to Him. I'm all in. I will follow after Him. And you will experience that hope realized. But there's more. Number one, you trust His Word. But then secondly, you need to share His work if you want hope to be realized in your life. Look at verse 9. He says, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God's desire, his longing, is for everyone to be saved. Is it any wonder that that's our mission as a church? That's what we're supposed to be all about. That's why we exist. We exist so that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to know Christ, right? We get to be a part of God's saving work, and that being involved in that saving work gives us hope. Our purpose is to bring people to Jesus. Listen, aren't you glad that somebody introduced you to Jesus? For just a second here. Think about that person. Can you see the face? Do you remember the ones... The one or the ones who talked to you and introduced you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't that just make you feel grateful for those people? Now let me ask you this. Who are you introducing to Jesus? When you get to be a part of his saving work, it fills your life with hope. We get to be a part of God's redemptive work. Let me tell you about a couple of opportunities, a couple of opportunities that are coming up in the near future right before you. I want to make sure that you don't miss those, where you can partner in the work that God is already doing to bring salvation to others. Uh, The first one of those is the year-end mission offering. When you came in um, and sat down in your seat, there's a little envelope um, that is for that offering, but then also a description of all of the, the partnership opportunities that we as a church have before. You've heard a lot about that, but we're going to have an in-gathering of that year-end mission offering on December the 18th. We want to have a time to say that's when we're going to receive it, but listen, you, you could give already. Some of you already have given. We're going to continue to receive it through the end of the year, but we're going to have that in-gathering on the 18th where you get to partner in the work that God is doing. You have the awesome privilege of enabling people to be introduced to Jesus by partnering in that. It's like there is this commingling when you give an offering 
where you are taking your work life, your everyday life, the way in which you earn that salary, and you are mingling that together with the work that God does in His Spirit. So I want to make you aware of that. We also have coming up our Christmas Benevolence Offering. This is an offering that we promote at Christmas, and this goes to bless people in a time of need. And it's been absolutely remarkable to watch how that particular offering blesses people at hard seasons of their lives. And we take it every year at Christmas. This year, since Christmas falls on Sunday, we're going to be having five weekend services. Let me tell you about those. Five services. They're going to be family worship. One hour. Every service is going to be the same. We're having three services on Christmas Eve, two services on Christmas morning. And listen, I'm just asking you to pick the one service that kind of works for you and your family to come and to celebrate uh, what Christ has done. And when you come, also remember to be ready to bless others as we receive that offering. And, and don't miss this. This is an opportunity for you to invite people to come with you. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, ah, people aren't going to come on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Every family's got their thing. Listen, you're wrong. This is the one time of the year when people really will say, okay, I will come with you. So who is it that you're going to invite and bring with you? And speaking of inviting, also in your seat today, there's this little card, impact card. Let me invite you to pick that up for just a second. Hold that in your hand. Let me tell you about this impact card. You, you've seen it before. But when I talk about sharing the work, it's really not just about participating in an offering. Sharing the work means coming to recognize that there are people that God has placed in your life, in your family, at work, in your neighborhood, old friends, people that you know, and they need somebody to introduce them to Jesus and whether or not they come to Jesus in some way may depend upon you so this is what we ask you to do this card is for you you're not going to turn it in you're going to keep it we ask you to come up with three names of three people that you can put on this impact card and that you would pray for them daily and that you would watch for opportunities to speak a word about Jesus, to invite them to come with you. In fact, since this is kind of Christmas, why don't we just raise the bar and say this. Since we're talking about Jesus' final arrival, who are the three people that you would want to see come to faith in Jesus Christ by Christmas? Just a few weeks away, who are the people that every day between now and then you would pray that Jesus Christ would come into their life, that he would open doors of opportunity for you to have conversation? Listen, will you pray for them? Will you invite them? Will you watch for that window to talk to them? In fact, we're, we're going to do something we haven't done before. We're actually, we're actually going to prepare in advance for baptisms on Christmas weekend. Now, I don't know if people are going to respond, but, but our hope is that we'll have people in every service who will be declaring their faith in Jesus Christ, that they've received the greatest gift in the world. Let me tell you, there's nothing more special than a Christmas baptism. In fact, one of my favorite baptism memories happened at Christmas. 
happened years ago at a church in Lebanon, Kentucky, and there was a guy who went by the name of Big John. Now, I've told you about Big John before, but he was baptized on Christmas Day. Now, Big John lived up to his name. He was big, well over six feet tall, well over 400 pounds, and he had a big reputation just like his name, a notorious reputation, but Big John came to know Jesus Christ. Now, listen, nobody thought Big John would ever become a believer in Jesus well, nobody except a son of his who believed that Big John would. And this son came to know Christ, and he began to pray every day and watch for every opportunity to speak to his dad. And that moment came where Big John fully surrendered his heart to Christ, and he was saved. And he came to see me one night, told me about his conversion, and then he said, and I want to be baptized on Christmas Sunday morning. Now, there's a problem. Not, not, not like a big problem, but, but sort of a problem. Sort of a problem. You see, at, at that church, our baptistry was kind of like our baptistry here, kind of off to the side. And at Christmas, that baptistry was kind of a focal point in our Christmas decorations. We had the most beautiful manger scene nativity that you've ever laid your eyes on and it was always kind of on a spotlight and it was kind of the focal point of all of our Christmas decorations and um, that that meant simply that in December we had we had no baptisms that, that, that's that, that was the problem so I decided I would go talk to Jesse May now Jesse May um, became just a really really sweet friend of mine in fact she's now gone on to the Lord and I can't wait for the day when I get to see Jesse May again but Jesse May was in charge of Christmas decorations and when I say she was in charge I mean she was like prison guard at the women's penitentiary in charge of the decorations and nobody ever messed with the Christmas decorations. So I was in my young 20s and I went to Miss Jessie May and I broke the news as positively as I could, you know. Big John, big baptism, big day. And Jessie threw a big fit. She really did. Just kind of blew a gasket. Finally she came around. And on that Christmas Sunday morning, we had the highest attendance that we ever had in that church because word had gotten out and people came to see if it was true. Had Big John really given his heart and life to Jesus Christ? And let me tell you, it was just amazing. It was spectacular. But the best moment of that whole day was after it was all over. And in the back hallway, me and Jesse came face to face. And a little sheepishly, she looked at me and she said, that was the most beautiful Christmas we've ever had. And then she winked at me and she said, but he still could have waited till New Year's. <laughs> Isn't that just like us? But what you need to understand 
is it's just not true. People cannot always wait until New Year's. Don't assume that there is a new year. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Let me ask you, have you trusted Jesus Christ with your all? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you believed in his word? Have you received his Holy Spirit in your life? Listen, you can do that right now, and you can be baptized on Christmas Sunday morning or even before then. You trust his word, you share his work, and then let me tell you, you've got to wait forward, wait forward. Let me explain that. Listen to what he says in verse 13, 11 through 13. These are some of those verses that wig us out again. He says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, the elements will melt away in the flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Listen, do you feel the urgency with which old man Peter who knows his end is here, the urgency that he writes. Verse 12, he says, looking forward. Verse 13, looking forward. Verse 12, hurrying it along. That word hurrying means speeding forward. Same word that's used to describe when the wise men are at Bethlehem. They came with haste into the house. The same word Jesus used with, Zachari um, with Zacchaeus saying, hurry and come down for I'm going to your house. The idea is that with Jesus' arrival, we who know him, it's like we're supposed to be living on our tiptoes, anxious and anticipating the day of his arrival. Listen, Jesus is already doing incredible work. I can't imagine and wait to see what he does when he finishes his work. Jesus is already doing incredible work here in this, his church. I hope that you don't take that for granted. Do you see the way that God is working? In fact, there's something we want to make available um, to you today. Um, it is our 2022 year in review uh, that talks about some of the things that God is doing in and through our church and I mean Jesus is doing an incredible work here um, listen our attendance has jumped this year 30% in one year we've seen 92 baptisms this calendar year listen I've been a pastor for 40 years I've never seen anything like that before when you talk about finances our giving is up 20% if you compare January 1 to November 30 compare this year to last year there's an increase of three hundred and sixty six thousand dollars God is at work in the lives of people and in his church and you can access um, that program on the back of your um, listening guide there is another QR code and you can scan that and get all the other information about the way God is working now don't be doing that now I'm still up here preaching you can wait and you can access that and look at that a little bit later. Um, also, we do have um, some print copies of that. We would ask one per family uh, just so that we can have those uh, to distribute. But listen, he is coming, and he is at work, and that should fill you with hope. In fact, as I was thinking about his arrival um, this week, kind of it hit me. 
that it's almost like God has already hired, hardwired all of us with this idea of waiting forward, of, uh, of, of leaning in with expectancy for what is coming. For example, if you were to ask a, a three-year-old the question, how old are you? How do they usually answer that question? I'm three and a half. Why do they tell you they're three and a half? Because they want you to know I'm almost four. It, it's right there. And it doesn't stop right there, does it? You ask them what they're looking forward to. I, I'm looking forward when I go to school. I get to be in kindergarten. And then when they're in kindergarten, they're not even halfway through the year. Uh, I'm going to first grade. I'm soon going to be in first grade. And it, it just continues. I can't wait to be a teenager, right? Oh, man, to be 13, that's going to be, that's going to be incredible. And then when we're, we're 13, what do we think? I can't wait until I'm 16. Oh, I'm going to get to drive. And then when we're 16, what do we think? I can't wait until I, I, I in my senior year and I get to graduate. And when we graduate, we look back and we go, wow, that, that went fast. And, and then we, I can't wait until I get to go to college. Oh, that is just gonna, that's going to be awesome. That's just going to be incredible. And I can't wait until I find that one person and I get to join our lives together it's just going to be amazing and then I can't wait until I get that that dream job can't wait until that happens oh I can't wait until I have kids of course once you have your kids oh I can't wait until the kids leave right and then I can't wait when we have a grandchild I'm just going to tell you it's the best season of them all but do you see it? It's like it's hardwired into us. We're on our tiptoes, leaning forward. We are, we are waiting with this high anticipation, living on the tiptoes for what's next. And let me tell you, when that final day comes, when that last day comes, when time will be no more, and Jesus himself steps through the clouds of eternity, what a day it will be. Are you looking forward with great anticipation? Do you trust His Word now so you can trust His Word then? Are you sharing in the work, seeing the people that are around you, leveraging your resources for His kingdom? Listen, get on your tiptoes and look forward and long forward. And when you do, your hope will be realized and you will join your voice with all of the saints who've gone before who have cried out, Even so, Lord Jesus Christ, come. Even so, come. Won't you lean forward and cry out to hurry on His coming? Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for the hope that is ours through your Son, Jesus Christ, the great one who was promised to come into this world to save us, to redeem us, to restore us. But Father, his work is not done. We as bride, his people, we have a work to do. So let us get to work so that those people that we know and love, people that you've placed in our life, that they too would come to see that the day of salvation is today they would put their hope and trust in the one who is coming for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come.